to explore with Lori Ference. This is Lori. This episode is part two in my conversation with Tataswana, getting to the root. Just in time for spring gardening, you can find out how you can grow your biggest and best garden ever. Tataswana has been growing prolific gardens in the Arizona desert for decades. He shares how you can implement indigenous farming practices to grow your most bountiful garden yet. Bad soil? You can still have good crops. Dry conditions? Water has a memory. Learn why this is important. Tataswana opens part two of our Getting to the Root conversation, talking about his battle for water and his plans for a walk along the Colorado River from Mexico to Moab, Utah. So thanks for listening, and here we go. I tell the story about how one time my grandmother was telling me that when your time comes, she said there was two things, that my last battle in life would be over water. Mm. I was about 14, I remember this. Uh, because my grandmother was a bear woman, so a lot of the things that we're talking about was, you know, about this male's role in, in battle. But she tells me, it's not going to be a battle of the kind of use with guns, stuff like that. But it's going to be... Your last battle is going to be over water. And I remember thinking, well, I'm sure glad I'm not going to live to see that day. Right? And of course, I died. And now I, I'm back. But the understanding of the battle is not about warring, but it's more of a, a, a loving, more uh, bonding, uh, which you might call it a, a, warrior, uh, a warrior's heart type of battle. Right, uh, and uh, uh, so uh, so when that time of that place where I, I need to get ready to prepare myself of uh, you know my, the equipment or what type of, what what do I carry in, in my arsenal? My grandmother told me there's going to come a t when it comes to that time. She goes, it'll be easy as you reaching up and grabbing an apple off of the tree, right? So, uh, after giving that some deep thought, I realized that I saw one apple off of one tree when she saw an orchard. And right now when I'm getting ready to do this, preparing for this walk and stuff, all this support, where did it come from? It just starts falling out of the sky. To, it, almost to the point now where a lot of things I wanted to do physically, uh, you know, on my own, that I can't do, but all these other people are now stepping in and saying, oh, well, you could just make a little walk and then we could do the rest. So that's where I'm holding it. And so my intention now is to go from community to community, reservation to reservation, find a sponsor, 
uh, or find an elder, or find uh, you know a high school and a grade school uh, students that are willing. Because uh, the way I have I predict it is uh, you know it's going to be at least five years, so it's not going to be a quick thing uh, to complete the walk, and then uh, another five years to uh, uh, added to uh, it'll develop some type of legislation. Now, where is the wall going from and to? Uh, from, uh, I got the, uh, the, the washer spring in, I don't know if you could hear that. Uh, from uh, the Colorado River, from uh, San Luis, Mexico, to Moab, Utah. Uh, and the reason why I'm just going to stop at Moab, because it becomes uh, almost impossible, you know, to walk along the, the river. Uh, although I've had some other individuals say, well, we can walk the rest of the way. We'll find a way to get to the song. And we'll see what that comes to. So, so my intention is to start it here locally. Uh, and then I have, and f fortunately, I have relatives on all the reservations going up to Colorado. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, so the battle for water is to understand, uh, you know, the energetic bloodline. That's, that's what holds us together. Mm. And, and again, like how, uh, interestingly enough, you know, the evolution of water, how it quickly it can transform itself again if we just start imposing and adding things to it. It's regenerative. It'll change. Even speaking those soft words of love into that water changes it. See, it'll change. And, uh, but we all need to have an understanding of how intimately uh, we're connected to. We all are. We're all connected to it. Our life source, our life blood. And again, a good conductive you know, water is one of the best, except for gold and copper and silver. But water is like there, really there. So, so that's the intentions for the next uh, at least five years of my life here, and. Um, uh, I, uh, some of the, uh, I, I have this uh, fellow, Rob, who's a scientist. He works with the University of Arizona down here in you. So uh, uh, he's hooked up with me, and he's going to present the uh, scientific uh, properties of water, and I'm going to be talking about the bio-nature of water. In other words, a spiritual connection. So that's how we're going to move that dance. How That's the dance we're going to take. Yeah. And my intention was to do it uh, before I got this cold. So every Sunday we have a drumming circle and I introduced it there before I got the cold. So next Sunday, I'm just going to pick, pick it up again. I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to do a seed walk here. Who wants to come with me? And um, that'll be the beginning of it. What's the seed walk? That means that that's where I intentionally 
plant the seed that my grandmother put into me about to respect the water. Okay. Yeah. So you might say, like, I'm the seed. Mm -hmm. I initially, because my grandmother spoke it to me, have to initially do the planting. Right. Yeah. And the rest is depending upon the soil and all those other individuals that are going to come into play. Yeah. Are you actually planting something physically? Am I, am are, I you, what? are you actually planting seeds as well? Actually, I, uh, I have some seeds that I've been getting some moon energies from that I'm going to be using uh, because I've taught uh, indigenous farming everywhere but here in Yuma. Hmm. Uh, now, I, I had a, a beautiful place in Winter Haven, a big organic uh, garden there. Uh, uh, probably about six years ago. Um, but uh, because I'd been doing a lot of traveling and stuff like that, I, I, I just wasn't giving attention to my gardens like I thought they should have. So I, I had, I'd stopped. And uh, so with uh, this new uh, uh, raised bed gardening and in-ground uh, gardening practices that I'm going to do, yeah, I, I have seeds right now that I've been getting moon energy. Also, uh, moon water energy. Because that's what I'm going to use the first, uh, uh, energetically charge the seeds up with the same moon energy that they sat under. What does that mean to you? Using that water. The moon energy. What does that mean to you? Uh, um, well, it's just uh, more energetically. Uh, um, it enriches the seeds. Now, what I do is that I always place the three seeds at a time. Now, in the moon, when I'm when I'm doing the getting the seeds, uh, moon energy. I put out a piece of paper or whatnot, and I you know, usually put it by a window so that the wind doesn't blow it away, but I put three seeds together. might be 30 seeds or whatever, but I put three in each group so that uh, energetically, all these three seeds receive this moon energy. Now, when I was a little boy, we were taught that you plant three seeds because... Uh, you want to put some friends in there. You don't ever want to go through life alone. So you plant three seeds in there, right? And uh, the reason why I use special water or I like to have my hands on the water that's coming out of the spigot is because uh, when we were little boys, we took water from a sacred spring and initially uh, watered, moisturized those seeds before we planted them, right, from a special spring. And so, as it turns out, um, uh, I, I believe it was a, a European uh, scientist uh, came across the exception of the seeds have a suicide gene. Mm. So that when, and he did planted three seeds at a time, the two weakest seeds would die and all the energy that they held would give to the stronger seed. And when you put the moon water on it, it, it enriches it even more. So that ensures to me 
my expectations of growth and abundance. And I forget it was a, I was at some conference one time and, and I was telling them about this and whatnot. And after the conversation, after the talk was over, yeah, I sat at a table to have lunch and they converged and basically said, uh, they told me the scientists, they were all scientists. That this, what I had said was this Swedish guy had, you know, came up with this concept and they understood it, understood it scientifically and academically. But when I talked to them about it, it brought it to life. Um, but but uh, that, that's what I think that's the value of that moon energy. Hmm. It enriches the seed. Enriches the seed. Mm hmm to its highest expectation of being abundantly producing as well. How do you, how do you do that? How do you enrich the seeds with the, do you just leave them out at night or somewhere? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, normally I, I if, if it's, it, it, normally I put them by a window. Uh, because I don't want, you know, the animals to come or the wind to blow them away. Yeah. Uh, now, sometimes if, uh, uh, like grass seed, I'll just put it in a glass container. I'll put them all in a glass container and let them be out for the whole moon cycle. And then I just throw them out, mm. you know, wherever I want it to grow. But if it's more... Um, you know, uh, heirloom seeds, then I'm a little bit more cautious with them. You know, I respect and honor them. And what do you do with them? And then I plant them after that. Yeah. And I don't, um, well, I'm, I'm into um, no-till. No so I just barely lay them on the top of the ground, and I might have some composting material that I just, you know, lightly cover them with them. Make sure I water them down with my finger on them, praying, talking to them, singing, and, uh, and then let, you know, the nature take her, her course. Hmm. Uh, and, and, and in permaculture, there are certain principles and practices that, that, uh, that were taught. Um, uh, and to me, when I was going to some of these, meetings there was a lot of uh debate right way wrong way you know principles and i didn't want to get involved with that so i just created my own way based on what my grandfather and my dad thought and then as i started doing that and then i started reading about all the other indigenous practices worldwide which were basically the way i was taught to do it what are some of the key things about that way uh the real key is expectation and abundance if you don't have it it ain't going to happen it doesn't make a difference how great your seed mm -hmm. is that's key the next would be the quality of the seed and the water it's really like quantum physics right it's 
your intention. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Creates the experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you, you, you're giving that seed, which, you know, in many times it's, we think it's, you know, a lifeless form, but it's, it's alive, even a dry state. It's, it's still alive. It's, it's almost like, uh, Mm. Uh, like being asleep. So when I tell people, you know, when I'm not teaching anything new, that's already in you. And so I'm just awakening you to what you already know. Same way with the seed. Right. And that expectation and that path and your intention as well is allowing that seed to birth itself into that way of being. And it could be mm -hmm. a, a, another human as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if and if not being in a physical form, at least in a spiritual connection, and that's really what life is all about. So we honor their spirit, and that spirit honors ours. And and the, as we were taught, you know, they become our children. They recognize us. They recognize our voice. So they draw the best they can to enrich our our life. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, so you're going to plant those seeds somewhere there? You said you you planted. Uh, yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to. Uh, um, uh, my friend Lily and her husband Ruben, the woman I share um, uh, the store Madre Terra with, uh, we're going to do beds. I'm going to do a raised bed, which, by the way, is just a recycled old tub, uh, big, you know, uh, bathtub, and then I'm going to put one in ground. And we're going to be planting flowers that she's going to be using in ceremony. And then some vegetables for her families that we could present at, uh, you know, dinners and stuff like that. And uh, she's got a big backyard, and eventually we're going to escape that with uh, cat pie. And uh, she's making us, uh, she has a space in the backyard where she holds ceremony, Tomascals, which is basically a sweat lodge. Uh, so, uh, that's what, that's what I'm going to be doing with her. And then if other people want to, me to do that at their home, then, then that's what I'll do this. But as part so of your seed, I, I'm asking though, as part of the water, you know, the water thing. And you said that you're doing the seed block. And then I ask you, are you actually planting seeds? I'm just wondering if there would be some other location besides, you know. No? For the seed not, block? Not I, not, okay. Okay. Not, not that I know of. Okay. Okay. Now, somebody, somebody might come, like you or somebody right. else, and they offer, just say, sit there right. and say, hey, well, why, why don't you work on that? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I could show you a way, and why, why don't you do it? Right. You know? Right. Uh, and that's what sharing is all about. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we I, I've tested bad soil and still had good crops. I planted stuff in clay that can't grow, and it grows. And and a lot of it also depends on the way you water. Um, especially if I fled irrigate when I was in Winter Haven, I was in an area where the water flowed from the east to the west. Now all the the fields were, uh, uh, their roles were from the uh, north to the south. Now, I know that water has a memory. 
And the memory in the natural course of the river was from the east to the west. So when uh, I watered, I made what they call these waffle gardens, right? And so uh, I would water with a hose, you know, let it run uh, from the east side. And then eventually it would flow from one waffle to the next and end up on the west side. Now, the east side held uh, seeds and plants that didn't require a lot of water. And the west side was where I'd be growing my squash and my corns because they required more water. Right? Uh, so, uh, once they all got flooded, and I turned off the water, and eventually the water from the east would slowly make its way underground to the west. Right? Because it remembered the natural flow of the river. And that way I got the best. I, I, I felt in my mind that I was honoring the highest good of that water in its natural memory. And I wouldn't have known this unless I was working on a wetlands project where uh, they took a, a, a flew a plane over and took a X-ray of the of the this portion of the river we are working on, and and uh, the imagery came up where the landscape still remembered how wide this river really was, hmm. and so that's where I got the idea of following the direction of the river, the natural course of the water. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then where I got the idea of, well, the waffle uh, gardening has always been part of the Pueblo culture in New Mexico. But uh, I'm, I made these little like dams, which I did a study on uh, Machu Picchu. And they basically watered from the top down. And they had like these little dams where the water, when one, the top got, the top step got full. It would go into the next and into the next until it made its way down, down the mountainside. You know, all those steps you see in Machu, mm -hmm. Machu, Machu Picchu, uh, they had these little, like, little dams. So when the top one got full, it flowed down to the next. And again, it was following the course of gravity. And so that's where I kind of came up with this crazy-ass system of this is how I'm going to practice. And it works. Um, so I'm going to even demonstrate with uh, the raised bed how how this how this is going to work. Mm -hmm. And in 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 indigenous uh, farming, the first thing you do is you observe nature. You watch the direction of the sun, how the the direction of the wind. If you're if you're in need of a water source, how does that flow? All that stuff. So you have to. Uh, you just don't go in and say, this is what I'm going to do. You have to honor the scape or the landscape of that, of the land. So even when you're developing, you don't intrude on it. And unfortunately, there's a lot of in the permaculture community, they have an idea, boom. You know, they basically dominate, uh, you know, their, their idea. Uh, I fall in flow with nature. Right. Yeah. Uh, and if you can't grow anything, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, vegetables and stuff like that because the soil might not get rich. Well, there's cacti. So there's always another thing you could grow. Hmm. And of course, in permaculture, the big thing is to be able to help that land, that, that your garden to sustain you. And so if you can't grow other stuff, then you can grow, you know, cacti and indigenous uh, plants that are from this area. So you're still asking the, the, the soil to give you the highest quality that that soil can provide. And uh, with the, 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 the monetary value of where water is going to be coming into the next, you know, five to ten years, it's going to be very expensive. So... Uh, you want to get the highest value of uh, the water that you can. And in some places around here, if, yes, these people are insistent on having a garden, then I have them dig down a, a foot, throw some clay in there, and cover it back up with sand. So that, mm -hmm. that clay will keep the, uh, the water from just draining deeper into the, uh, to the, to the soil, to the sand. Uh, and in the raised bed, of course, I put debris at the bottom and cardboard boxes and then the composting and the topsoil on it. Uh, but that's, that's, uh, that's, that's how that works with the water and stuff. So there's a, there's a real uh, honorable connection that if I honor those seeds, that water, then it's going to honor me. There was one time I was growing trees, mesquite trees, and there was a group of uh, pastors. And I told one guy, yeah, I got these trees, man. I'm, I'd like to give them to, you know, some churches. So one day he comes over with uh, those five of them. And uh, the whole time they're on the property there, they're talking about uh, what's doing... Um, I think it was during, like, uh, when we first went into Iraq. But they were walking among my gardens and my trees talking all this war stuff, hate stuff. Mm. I told them to stop. Well, I said, yeah, these, my trees, my plants, they don't hear shit like that. You know? And if you're going to be around here talking that stuff, then you're not welcome here. And you can't have my trees. <laughs> Did they go away and come back? <laughs> None of them came back. <laughs> Except for my friend Bill, who was, you know, a friend of mine anyway. And he was laughing about the whole thing, you know. Like, I was wondering if you were going to say something. You know. Yeah, so, and in a sense, that's why, that's why I honor, uh, when they start producing, you know, fruits and whatnot, or vegetables, I make sure that the people that they, it goes to, that the, they understand, you know, the kind of love and attention I put into them. And, uh, and a lot of them will say, you know, it, it tastes better. Whatever you're doing, man, it, what kind of fertilizer are you giving? Nothing, just love and water. Love and water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So hmm. that's that's where I'm at presently. Oh, we've been talking for a while. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, I need to get ready. I'm, I'm going to go into the store today. So okay. Yeah. So yeah. I usually get ready. Start getting ready about eleven o'clock. So. All right. Now, what name are you going by? Do you do? Are you still like Tatatswana? Is still your name? Are you? Yes, Tatatswana. Yeah. Um. As a matter of fact, just this past January, I was told to uh, start carrying that persona again. Mm-hmm. You know, because for the longest time it was hard to believe that, you know, uh, that I had that high title of peacemaker. Yeah. Uh, and then over the past of the, the past six years, I got deeper into my heart and realized that uh, all of us are peacemakers. And uh, and so it's made it. A little bit more easier to speak in, in um, let's say the persona of Tatatswana. Now, by the way, when I speak to the ladies in the tribe, that's the persona I talk to them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned a lot of Pueblo teachings. Now, is that because of your connection with these ladies, or? Uh, well, my, that's my back, my cultural background. I thought you were Tewa. That's all. That's all Tewa. That's all Pueblo. Tewa's, yeah, oh, yeah. okay, okay, yeah, okay. Tewa and Hopis are Pueblo. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, no, the ladies they uh, basically are a lot of them are the Mesoamericans. So originally, uh, we Hopis and Pueblo ones came from Mesoamerica. Some came up the Rio Grande. Some of us in well, our story went, feeling, went, yeah. went through Belize and then went through uh, the Gulf of Mexico, came up from Galveston, and all ended up, both migrations ended up in uh, the Four Corners area. Oh. And now there's, a, now there's even a, a new theory that uh, we came up through the Colorado River as well. That some of us uh, left, uh, you know, uh, went around the the Baja of, or uh, went through the Gulf of, uh, the Sea of Cortez, and then went up, came up through the Colorado River. So then, really, at the roots, aren't you the same lineage as these ladies? Exactly. Yeah. I exactly. Yeah. And yeah. and there there have been awakening to it, so it's easy for them to understand and accept uh, something that's been encoded at them anyway, and I just. Say something, you know, just like wake up. Right. And uh, I've learned more from them than in this past year than any of my teachers. Yeah. Do you call yourself a shaman? Uh, they call me a shaman. Yeah. So that, that uh, that's interesting to I, me. I, like, I, no. When? when? Yes. Yeah. I just call myself a holy man. Okay. Uh, I do have practices and rituals that I do, uh, shamanically, you know. Uh, I, I, I might, uh, as in case about uh, four years ago, I was down in the state of Chihuahua, 
and I was with a group of um, shamans from uh, Argentina, Brazil, Peru, uh, all through Mexico in uh, the town of Guaguchi in the state of uh, Chihuahua. And uh, uh, we were in ceremony and um, some of the things that they were doing, which I had never done before, uh, I just, for some reason or the other, magically just started working with them. You know, adding to that. Or they were, or, or I would do a ceremony and they would step in and work with me. And that's what when did, we were, that, that we were just connected. You know, we were connected. What does that mean to you to be a shaman? And I'm asking you this because, you know, in our, this is the thing about, um, in the consciousness about how people that are not of indigenous background using that word is not an appropriate thing. Um, and for I'm me, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, and for me, for me, because I feel like I was born to that path as a medicine woman, and through my own um, understanding of my lineage, you know, that I found out through my research, right, about my ancestors that. The, 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 it's really a, a spiritual connection to nature. Mm -hmm. And but, so I, I feel like I use that word. I mean, there's a Ukrainian word, which is Molfarka, which is very specific to the uh, Carpathian Mountains, right? But yeah. that's not where my ancestors came from. However, I still feel it, right? So I'm looking for the word, right? And in English... Yeah. Yeah. The English word will not serve any good at all. I would go back to that for the word you just explained. Mafarka. Mm. Yes. Okay. Yes, because uh, shaman is a colonial title that they put on us. Right. They're known as holy, holy people, right. medicine right. people. Right, right, mm -hmm. right. So I don't want to get into all that controversy, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I know it all comes to that, which is a common ancient connection that all human beings have to nature yeah and when you go back and study your cultural history uh that's your connection absolutely yeah very yeah. much so very very much so yeah. yeah yeah and when you use the name that comes from your culture it, it gives you the more power and energy of that word of that status you might say and when you honor that way uh, I think sometimes uh, all of a sudden we just get this download of information of uh, the status of who we are. Now, there are times when I'm talking to people, as you can see, sometimes I'm looking away because mm -hmm. I'm waiting for some input that's going to come that uh, just like I was going to tell you, oh, go find out who you are and what you are and your cultural background, and then you brought it up. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And that's what I teach them. Don't, don't, you know, you come to me, and I'm going to direct you back to finding out culturally where you're connected, how indigenously you're connected with that, and then that's when we can understand that we're just the same. We're all the right. same. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. There's no division. There's no higher status. We're all one. 
That's why I was going to the point with working with all these shamans that I had never met before, and we're doing the same practices. Under the influence of peyote. Right. And, and that, again, that was divine. That was the nature connection. So shaman, medicine man, woman, holy man, woman. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, I have I had a group of uh, people who kept calling them witches. They're calling themselves witches. That's a that's a colonial bullshit title. Right in Ukrainian, the word is it, the Ukrainian word is vedma, and it comes from vid Sanskrit, which is to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and to know is power. Yeah, yeah, or influence. But that's that, that word is also like a colonial like a colonial word here in the culture there, Vedma. It's like one of those strange things. Yeah. When you try <laughs> when you when you try, try to define it and make it seem some type of uh, understanding in a in a in a Western sense, what you just can't do it. Exactly. Because there is no life in it. That's why you have to go back to the root words. And live under those words. Now, uh, when I learned the word of uh, the definition of fear, yeah, there was a uh, Sanskrit word that came to it, but that I didn't need to use. I didn't need to say it because I understood it completely. I just need to live my life to the fullest. That's what fear is. Do not be afraid. You know, uh, you might say, I even kind of, uh, 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 I, I used to do a lot more reading than I do now. And I had a good friend of mine and uh, was an avid reader like me at one time. And and I said, hey, Kenny, man, I noticed you're not reading it anymore. He goes, you know what, John? He goes, I started to think that the older I get, that uh, the more reading I do, uh, if I start losing memory, I'll spend the rest of my life trying to remember what I forgot. <laughs> that's where I backed off of uh, right. know, the practice right well you're getting it, every, everything you need to know it comes to you anyway yes so the book is yeah, just a tool that's it yeah 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 there's no lacking and how do we know the truth when we read it uh, I believe because we've had a, a past life experience with it That's why when we, we learn a truth, boom, it, it, it's alive in us already. Because I believe we've practiced it and learned it in our past life. Or a parallel dimension, and we don't even want to get into that one yet. The, right. spoken of, the spokes of a wheel. So, so, something just came to me, and the, and the sentence says, we are all earth people. Mm -hmm. And it's just the role of some of us to help others remember that. Exactly. Uh, and uh, divine beings encased in all different forms of matter. Which is really a, an expression of the richness of humanity and life. All these different forms. Which really is 
we were taught, right, to show how uh, rich we are. Uh, we're not taught. Do you have a word of um, affirmation in your culture that it's like, amen? Oak. Oak? That means oak. It's oak. I agree. My heart bears witness. Oak. oak. I recognize you. Oak. Oak? Oak. Let's oak. say O-A-K. Oak. oak. Yeah. Uh, that means I bear witness. From here. You know, somebody's talking something, let's say he's, let's say like in, if we were at a meeting and uh, Elder was uh, uh, talking story about what's going on in, in family or the community, uh, those who are witnessing and agreeing with what he's saying, instead of adding our two cents, we say, oh, he said enough for us. He's telling the truth. That's, that's what it is. I agree. And uh, in, the, in those cultures, it's, it's honoring, you know, the elder. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the word, hope. I have my my lady friends who are basically using Taylor <laughs> terms when I talk to them. I say, wait, 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 wait. That, that's the way a man says it. Then I have to teach them. This is the way a lady says it. How does a lady say it then? Sometimes we, uh, 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 let's see. Uh, well, I, I believe the ladies say, uh, ooh wee. Ooh wee? Yeah. Ooh wee. Ooh wee. Oui. 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 Yeah. 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 That's, uh, that, that in a sense too is saying yes or I agree. All those things. And, and even, even right now, those words that uh, I'm using, that they've even lost some uh, value in, you know, in trying to define them in an English way. Yeah. There's like, there's like a word that uh, is. Um, Tihanutu means uh, you know better, right? Uh, like when I had my little children, I would, instead of jumping on their butt, I would say Tihanutu. That means you know better, giving, allowing them to correct themselves, mm. right? But uh, now the word is tu, and that means enough. Tihanutu was whole different war than just do enough. So the translations of the words are changing a little. Uh, and you know, my grandmother and even my dad and them, they, they although they taught me Tewa and some Hopi, uh, Basically, they were teaching us that they're progressive, so they were teaching us you find a language that you'll be able to communicate with it, with everybody. And so, born in this country, English happens to be the dominant uh, language that we were taught, so, you know, that's how I... 
And then I started seeing how that language didn't have the power and the creative force that a language should have. And then that's when I started looking at, you know, more indigenous uh, definition and meaning, giving back the power to the word. Mm. Mm-hmm. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tataswana. I know I sure did, and I'm pretty excited to try out some of the things that he suggested in my garden. I hope you do too. And if you do, let me know how it goes. Thanks again for listening. And as always, I appreciate your help in getting the word out about the podcast and sharing it with your friends. You can do so by rating or reviewing it on your podcast app, or you can comment or like and subscribe on YouTube. Thanks so much. 